This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. We are Take the Black, and we're back for 2017, and today we're going to be talking about the Golden Globes, the Winds of Winter, and Game of Thrones Season 7. Are we going to get longer episodes in Season 7? We'll discuss all that tonight. Uh, But first, let's get into the Golden Globes. Annie, since you are our resident expert on that topic why don't you lead us off okay well the golden globes uh came and went and game of thrones walked out basically empty-handed i mean yeah um at this point it feels a little bit like we're still going through the backlash of the you know shock sweep of season five Mm -hmm. you know we had not a shock sweep in season six um which felt like the emmys trying to self-correct um, and I feel like that's the same with the rest of the award shows. At this point, I assume they're going to hold their powder and that we're not going to really see Game of Thrones take any more televised awards, major awards, maybe one or two, but not a lot. Um, I expect the big sweep to be 2019 after season eight ends and the whole series has been done, kind of like uh, uh, Lord of the Rings did back uh, in 2003. Um, but, you know, we actually did have some good news, and uh, one of the major things of good news was that Gwendolyn Christie actually managed to find someone to dress her. Um, (laughs) No, no, okay, look, I love Gwen Christie. I really do. And I think it's great that she's dating a fashion designer, Giles, but he, his dresses on size zero models make them look fat, okay? Gwen is just not, she's not a small woman. She needs what my mother would refer to as a dress with structure. And apparently she has finally gotten that memo. She made my top 10 over a culturist. She looked fan freaking tastic in her very light pink dress. It was, it was gorgeous. You should check it out. She did look very Um, nice. And uh, I also thought that Maisie Williams looked amazing. Um, she did a plain yellow gown. Um, and, you know, she it was a little safe. I know I just said it was a little safe when we were tweeting about it. But honestly, like, I actually also had her in my top ten, partly as a, an arc thing. Like, this is this is the best we've seen her look so far. And watching her grow into being a fashionista has been great. You don't expect um, safe from her, though. That's the thing. No, we don't. And so, really, it just came off as really glamorous. Um... Sophie did oh. not go for safe. Oh. Um, 
Yeah. Scraps, um, like scraps dress is what it looked like. Yeah, I, that's actually, I believe ISIS referred to it as uh, the scraps left over from the floor of Project Rumble. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty, it, I mean, yeah, it was bad. Um, I also thought Liam Cunningham looked very dashing. Um, he actually had on a midnight blue tux. Oh, my um, God. No, 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 white Sorry. boots. Don't, no, no, it's true, though. No, 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 I, looked, I just looked up colored. Sophie Turner. Oh. That, that's an awful dress. <laughs> that is terrible, man. Um, but I, to continue, the thing about Liam Cunningham is most white dudes don't do colored tuxes very well. You know, and if they do, a lot of times, like, they end up looking like they do the white tux and they look like a waiter. Um, but Liam Cunningham <laughs> looked smashing. And, uh, you know, NC Dubs was there and he always looked smashing in a tux. Um, and so, yeah, like, that's basically, like, those were the major players. Uh, Jon Snow appeared in the opening video, which was very cute. Um, yeah, didn't he wake most- up in a car or something like that? Yeah, basically he did his, he did his coming back to life scene, but it was in the back the car um it was adorable um and uh yeah uh, lena he did not show up and uh the place did not blow up from wildfire so we were all very lucky. <laughs> uh that's funny because she lost and uh you kind of expected that to happen yeah i did kind of expect that to happen except i expected that the i expected for the globes to go for stranger things um i was actually quite surprised that in the drama category it was the crown that swept I would have loved to have seen mm. Millie Bobby Brown win and oh, Stranger yeah. Things. I love her. I adore her, and I think she's awesome. And I'm lobbying for her to play a young Princess Leia in Star Wars sometime. Yeah, anyway. we actually, uh, over at Culturist, we wrote a piece about how the crown w- should not have won, and it should have been Stranger Things. Corey Stone, you, know, you have some you have some thoughts on that as well as Annie. But I, I, I Corey Stone, you definitely took umbrage with this. I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, yeah, the crown. I haven't seen it, so let me just oh. say let me just say that, that of course jump. I haven't seen it, and you know what? Probably not going to. You know why? Because nothing bores me more than the life and times of the rich and posh of England. I don't care. Like I get that she. How many times are the Oscars or the Globes going to reward somebody for playing a queen? Like I, I think we've I think we've said all we can say. With the, I think it's just because in America we don't have royalty, mm-hmm. so we, we're very infatuated with that. Ooh, that's it's interesting. It's really not. The only thing I want to <laughs> see is a movie. Have you seen these trailers for this piece of shit with Dennis Quaid and Josh Gad voicing a dog that dies and is every dog or something? Yes. yes. So if we could get that movie, but with the queen and her corgis, I'd watch that one. <laughs> Other than that, I really don't care. And and I just I, I have a hard time believing. A very hard time believing that the um, whisper shouting that in- inevitably happens in the Queen it does, was better acting. Way. Yeah, <laughs> it was better was better acting in a better drama season than pretty much anything else that was nominated. Well, I gotta tell you, I so, watched The Crown and I've seen some of the episodes uh, a couple of times. My wife is a big fan of it, and uh, I thought it was, I think it's a good show. I do. I think that it's worthy of knocking off Game of Thrones or taking awards from Game of Thrones. Uh, no. Uh, you and I talked about this on the phone. I would have much rather seen it go to, uh, a show like Westworld, who had some great, um, would you call it character acting with the, the, the actors who played the host and all the that kind of robot stuff. stuff? Yeah, like, I mean, they did, there was some great acting in mm-hmm. that show, and I thought there was some, some, some great writing in that show. Uh, but I kind of feel like what George R.R. R. Martin said in a very political way that, the crown was a safe choice. 
probably so, in my opinion. I think, yeah. Well, I think it's a safe route to take. Period with with story, especially in terms of. Um, okay, well, here's the problem: is that everything I have seen about, I guess, royalty in England, all the movies and stuff, have all been fine. But I don't think that anybody's going to make a better one than the Queen with Helen Mirren. Mm. Okay, here's here's where I raise my hand and tell you that The Crown is written by the exact same man who yeah, wrote The Queen, <laughs> and that the entire plan of this to go six season is to get up to the point that the Queen movie happened, and everyone assumes Helen Mirren is going to play the Queen in the final two seasons. Oh, so I, it's going to be six seasons, is it? Oh, no, it's already God, booked for six no seasons. Way. And they're already planned that uh, that Matt Smith and Claire Foy leave after season two, and they're going to cast uh, aged-up actors for three and four, and then old actors for five and six. Wow. There's no way on this glorious earth that the Lord created that I'm going to watch <laughs> six seasons of crumpets and shit. Well, um, no, but I, I also think can't. that it does play into why it won awards. It's because it has such an ambitious scale. Netflix has marketed this as a massively ambitious project. They have everybody knows how much money they spent. Nobody is supposed to know how much money you spend on a show. Netflix has literally like gone around telling people how much they spent on this show, and I think that really did have that that played a factor in why it won. Well, if I can chime in really quick, um, I agree that I felt like The Crown, and I had just watched The Crown uh, maybe a day or two before the Golden Globes. I binge-watched the entire season, and I watched it all, and I'm a big fan of Matt Smith. He was Doctor Who, and I'm a Whovian, and I love it. Uh, But I'm going to tell you, I really felt like Claire Foy should not have won for The Crown. Um, If anything, the best actor in that whole entire series for right now, it was John Lithgow. Amen. Yes. Winston he was Churchill. Amazing. Yeah, he he played Winston Churchill. He was amazing. So I really felt that Claire Foy shouldn't have won. It should have gone to Westworld. I really felt that The Crown didn't give me anything that I probably already didn't know. Um, you know, being a girl of the 80s, I was very infatuated with you know, royalty and, and all that stuff. And I've read books about it. So it wasn't, it, I mean, it's a good show. It's entertainment and everything. Uh, but I didn't think it was at, at all considered groundbreaking by any means. Um, even though that I think that uh, the queen's husband's a fucking douche. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of people I know who are like, and we all know he lives. God damn it. I know exactly. That's like, he's like the biggest bro that ever broed. Anyway, so I really felt like uh, Westworld lost, um, should have won that, um, or even Stranger Things, I would have been okay with that. Westworld was just, you know, really hit it out of the park with some, some you know, great visuals. Everything was just perfect. Stranger Things, there were times where I would kind of like, you know, I would start folding laundry or something. Um, but I really felt that, you know, the crown shouldn't have didn't deserve it but just to say something um this is voted on by the foreign press uh the golden globes are mm. so it's not something that it was just americans who you know rallied around the crown if you will um it, this was the foreign press those these are people from all over all over the world um so i don't think it's just an american thing i think just people around the world are really infatuated with what happens in this island uh that has you know kings and queens so yeah, but there's there's only like 90 of them so <laughs> the golden the golden globes is really it's like this this basically broadly telecasted piece of 
bullshit that like 90 <laughs> people, like someone's Facebook page voted. And like that's that's all it is. So I mean, I don't get I love the Golden Globes because everybody gets drunk, but um, I don't know. Smith, I, I want to ask Smith because I know that he, like me, thinks that the crown is probably boring. <laughs> Well, I don't speaking know of, he, uh, speaking of the, the biggest bro who ever broed, Corey Smith. <laughs> this is my long-awaited return to the podcast. and by who? Nobody was waiting for it. <laughs> John Snow, I'm not. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I don't give a shit about the crown. Woo, I mean, what's up? I, I just don't. And, I mean, even if they've given it to Westworld or Stranger Things, I mean, I still don't see either of those as superior to the sixth season of Game of Thrones, which I think most people assume is the best season of the show in a while, so far. In a while. In a while. In a while. Yeah. I think I mean, it's certainly... time we actually sat down and re-ranked the, sh- the seasons, now that you say that. Like, I think I should go through and do that, because I don't know if I'd say it's better than season one. 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 Yeah, season yeah. one is the best. Season one's still really the best with season four. Season, season six might be, yeah. no, you know what, season six might beat out season four now. I should go back and read Okay, but, but close. I mean, it's not, it's not obviously the fifth or the second and third season. So, I mean, it's obviously a lot of people consider it the best one. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just don't see how it loses out to these other mediocre shows. And, and Well, uh, let, me, let me jump in and, and say... You know, I'm sure that the crown is very well made and well acted. The cast is great. The writing oh, is great. Yeah. So I, I'm just saying, you know, everybody worked hard and then yeah, everybody worked really throat. hard. You know, it's it's, uh, it's basically it's basically like um, camping. People really love camping. I'm not going. They camping. do. Yeah. So you, you spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort living like you're homeless. Yeah. And no so, camping. Yeah. Camping when it's over. You're dirty. You smell like smoke. You got ticks in your yeah. balls, and, but but you just but you just spent like a thousand dollars in gear to go out there, so you don't want to look like a dumbass. You have to tell everybody. And your oh, back it was really great. hurts. <laughs> it, was, it was great. So everybody's like, "Oh, we should go camping," and the lie continues. That's the crown. You spent. Yeah, I, really, <laughs> I really felt Damn. That, uh, that you know, uh, Leanna Heatley, she 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 should have won. Um, and if she didn't win, I felt like Tandy Newton for Westworld should have won. Olivia Coleman won for the night manager, who I love in other things. Um, but I didn't necessarily feel like she was at the level of uh, Leanna or, or Tandy Newton by any means. Their performances were just Oh, Lena. I thought I was like Leanna. Who, who Leanna. She, I don't know why I call her Leanna. I was trying to figure out who you were talking about. Like, okay. Oh, Lena. It's like me mispronouncing everything to me. Yeah, no, I was <laughs> trying to figure out who Okay, yeah, Lena. Yeah, I guess, absolutely. Well, in Spanish, I would be Leanna. That Leanna. Gotcha. Anyway. Okay, so, that's cool. So I felt like she she really, really deserved um, that. But, I mean, again, that's okay. I feel like that, you know, Outlander – Outlander, sorry. Sorry, uh, Game, Game of Thrones um, will have another opportunity. It won't come until, what, 2019, you said? Uh, 2018, 2018. 2018 will be for Season 7. 2019 will be for these, Season 8. And I kind of assume at this point that even when we get to Season 7, they're going to give it to all of the makeup people and all the, you know, effects people and all of the hair people and yeah. all of the sound people. Because seriously, those people are freaking breaking ground every goddamn day and changing the face of television. Yeah. Okay. They just deserve to take them home every goddamn year. And, list, and right? everything everything we've seen or heard, there's going to be 
big dragons and lots of undead. So yeah, they'll well, probably to, to continue the game of or the Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings comparison that somebody made earlier. <laughs> what's going to happen is the last season of of Game of Thrones, it's going to be a windfall of awards, probably. Yes, the that's same what the I'm same assuming. way. The same way that Lord of the Rings Return of the King garnered, was it 13 or 14? Like some they won every up. award that year. Every award they were nominated for, right? Yeah. And it's because – and here's the thing. I honestly think my favorite movies are – and it's the same reason, again, the comparison. Like season one of Game of Thrones, a lot of folks on this podcast in particular and across you know, the, the fandom think season one is the best. Season one's also the simplest, just like mm-hmm. the Two Towers, if you will. Like Two Towers really just told – one story about the battle. There was a lot of stuff going on aside, but really it was one big arc as opposed to season six, which is also fantastic, which is much more comparable to uh, this, to the return of the King where you had just crashing storylines all around that finally came to a head. And it's like, which one's actually more impressive. I lean season six because of everything they had to do and juggle. Uh, but season one is very crisp. And, and so wrapping this whole shit up here that I've kind of let get off the rails. I think that season last season of Game of Thrones there will be a shitload of awards. Yeah, a shitload of awards. So I and, and honestly at this point they've won enough. You know, awards don't validate the show. This is the most popular show. It's one of the most popular shows yeah. of all time. I mean we don't need a we don't need no awards to know that the Game of Thrones is is a sexy sexy person who don't need no man. So <laughs> Well, moving on. Let's get off the Golden Globes topics. Let's move on to Season 7 as a whole. Uh, we've got uh, actors like Liam Cunningham, who plays Davos Seaworth, talking about uh, the filming schedule for Game of Thrones Season uh, 7 and 8, I believe. But he talked about uh, longer filming uh, times and different dates. Corey Smith, I know you, uh, you're you involved with some of this. So I want you to talk about this a little bit, especially since you've been gone for a while, buddy. Time to talk a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, you know, and I haven't had a massive throat infection for the past couple days, but otherwise, I'd love to talk. We don't Um, care. We don't care. Yeah. We don't care. Um, So, there's two, uh, Cunningham kind of dropped two two big old, you know, bits of information on us. The the first one um, is that they're going to be wrapping up in February of this year for season seven, and then they're going to go right back at it in September for season eight. So they get a little bit of a break, and then they're right back on that kind of winter schedule, so to speak, um, you know, where they're taking advantage of the natural winter environments um, over in um, all the European locations that they film in. So that's the big that – was, that was one of them. And then the other one was just that he, he mentioned that um, even though we're only getting seven episodes in Season 7 – he, they're filming just as much material as if it was a 10-episode uh, ten season. Hmm. Okay, so expound. Well, so the thought, the thought process there is that they may not be showing as much footage in season seven, but mm-hmm. they're filming just as much. Um, so, you know, there's a couple different ways you can go with that. Either they're, they're just wanting to get everything right and they're filming a little bit more, taking their time, um, trying to get all the stuff, you know, all the stuff right, mm-hmm. or they're filming more battle scenes than in previous seasons because we all know the battle scenes take much, much longer to film. Um, every one of them, you know, they have three, four different takes if they get it right the first time, 
they have three or four different takes of every single scene because they have to film with CGI, they have to film without CGI, et cetera, et cetera. So the battle scenes take much longer to film um, compared to, you know, just a couple people sitting in a room talking. So that could be one way of, of thinking that, that we're going to get more battles and more action scenes because they're, they're more complicated. Um, or it could, you know, could be the first one that they're just taking their time and wanting to get everything right because they, they don't have a whole lot of time. You know, well, let me ask of, you this. Let me ask you this. The filming uh, length. Um, what about the fact that they're filming in winter now? They don't have a lot of daylight. And if they're trying to film day scenes, they're going to have to film it just right at, at the right amount, the right time of day, or they're not going to get the right light. Do you think this is probably uh, something that's affecting filming? Yeah. I mean, yes and no, because Cunningham clearly says that they're filming just as much footage. Okay. So it's not that they're just sitting around in their tents waiting for it to be a certain, you know, certain part of the day, mm. um, you know, too dark or too light, whatever it is they're looking for. So he said that they're filming just as much footage, which to me says they're going to come back with, you know, 10 to 12 hours of actual footage that then they'll cut down to seven you know, seven hours or whatever it ends up being, which we'll get to in a minute. But so I don't know. To me, I think a lot of it screams that they're filming more battle scenes than than normal. I mean, you know, usually each season we get one to two battles, you know, major battles. And then maybe we get a couple action scenes in there throughout the season. But that's pretty much it. So if they're filming just as much. I think that that means they're filming more battle scenes. We might get a, a decent sized battle in you know every other episode. Which is something we were kind of questioning before filming began is we didn't have uh, Sapo directing a battle this year. Um, Annie, who do you think is going to be the battle director this year? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. Um, we, I, I, I'm looking at the list and I can't tell you. Yeah, you know, and I think that's sort of the thing is that it's so, it eats so much battles at this point that I think the answer is probably a little bit of everyone. Um, but, you know, I also think that uh, it's very interesting. Ian, uh, Ian Glenn uh, mentioned that he is still referring to season 7 as 8 and 8 as 15 hours long, not 13. Even though we only are having 7 episodes this season and as far as we know six next um and that speaks to Corey's. uh you know they're filming just as much you know if they're filming 15 hours that's as if they had eight episodes and seven episodes and if you take like so if you take this so let's say we have seven episodes and then you take the eighth episode and you take 10 minutes of each episode and you smash it and put it into each episode suddenly you have 60-minute, 66-minute episodes, yeah. and you have, you'll end up with 15 hours. Right, right. Um, do, okay, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, here's my big question is, and I want to get everybody's input, is um, we've seen Westworld do this, and I know this is not a popular show, but The Walking Dead has done this. And in fact, they've done it, they did it a couple times this past really weak season they had, this past uh, season 7A. It was really bad, but... Um, they had some 90-minute episodes. Do we see HBO and Game of Thrones going to the 90-minute format for at least one, maybe two episodes? Okay, before we answer that, um, one of the things that I have been reading about is the change in episode length and how networks, not HBO, but networks, have started to basically 
get away from that 22, 44 minute uh, uh, constraint that used to uh, that used to basically all television was formatted for in America. Right. Um, and it's more shown up in PBS um, for shows like Poldark, sure. where. Well, no, 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 because, okay, BBC doesn't have commercials, right? Right, 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 right. So they have an hour show. It's a fucking hour, right? right? And then PBS, I mean, PBS, quote-unquote, doesn't have commercials. No, it has commercials. It totally has a Geico commercial. It totally has, like, a Viking Cruise commercial. It has so many Viking Cruise commercials. I end up wanting to go on a Viking Cruise by the time our season is over, all right? <laughs> like, I mean, they, they do. They have commercials. The show is only 53 minutes. About seven minutes of every episode has to be removed. And... In, you know, they can speed some scenes up a little bit so they go a little faster and you can't quite see it. Um, you can, you know, or they cut actual material, which sometimes happens in Poldark, much to my upsetness. Um, but HBO could really decide to start pioneering this. Um, and, I mean, you know, they have pioneered a lot of things. And if they just start airing, like, this entire season is 66 minutes long every episode. Do you know what that's going to do to the television landscape? That's going to mess it up. It's going to blow things out of the water. It's going to be really, really bad, especially for shows who are trying to compete. Let's see. In the summer, what shows are competing in the summer on Sunday nights? It would probably be Fear the Walking Dead, which is no no competition at all. Um, what um, else? It'll be Great British Bake Off on PBS is okay. on Sunday nights. So um, that's getting you know, destroyed. Oh, well, yeah, no, that's getting destroyed anyway, because PBS really has no idea how to market that show. It's very frustrating because it's so good. Um, you know, I, I, you know, basically Fox and NBC and CBS and uh, ABC have been doing kind of special, you know, miniseries kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I think if they see HBO come into the summer and do seven episodes all at 66 to 70 minutes long... You are going to see the 44-minute thing just die a fast death. Right, right. Um, in which you're seeing things like um, FX does it a little bit now. Uh, if you watch mm-hmm. shows on FX, they, uh, their new show Taboo runs a little long. Um, uh, no, no, no. That's because that's a BBC show. There you go. So you got me. And, that, and they and me. they are doing they are actually doing the speed up thing, and they're doing the same thing with Pol- that Poldark does. There are some scenes where if you watch the BBC version and then you watch the version on FX, like it's really creepy because you can tell the scenes just a little faster than it was supposed to be. I did um, not know that. Yeah, and uh, in some places they just, you know, hey, there was like three lines of dialogue that was supposed to go there that are gone, right? Like, I mean, they, they, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty good at, at chopping it out in such a way that American audiences won't notice unless they watch the BBC version. But again, this is, uh, this is part and parcel with the whole, like, trying to push the envelope and trying to basically make it so the commercials don't quite dictate the content in the same way. Uh, Isis, let me ask you, um, as a Shonley, um, I, maybe this is a redundant question, but do, do, you think, uh, do you think that extended episodes is something that fans want? Um, do, you, do you really want extended episodes, 90 minutes, 66 minutes, 70 minutes long, or do you want it to stick to the normal format? Uh, you know, I want to say that the normal format um, is great. But I've watched enough shows like um, what is uh, 
Sherlock and um, another BBC show that has to be squawked. And uh, Doctor Who is actually with Doctor Who. They end up making a 60 minute episode, 90 minutes long rather than cut any. That's how they deal with it. So the Christmas episode was 60 minutes long on the BBC and 90 minutes long on BBC America. Now you're just messing with my brain. Sorry, I'll stop. So, no, it's just um, – so I think that I would be okay with it. Um, I think a lot of people kind of go and say, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I'm getting a lot in one go, but I'm, I'm getting it for a short period of time. Um, I've also seen a lot of you know shows like Outlander who do abbreviated seasons, and they strictly do like six episodes or seven episodes, and they're only 60 minutes long. So would I rather have – six episodes or seven episodes that are 90 minutes long or 60 minutes long. Well, shit, if I have my choice, yes, I'm going to want the one that's 90 minutes long. Right. Um, so that that's just my opinion on that. I mean, if they're going to go ahead and shorten how many episodes they're going to be, but they're going to give me, you know, almost the same amount of content, yeah, give it to me the entire time. There, there's been many times where I'm like, no, the show cannot end right here, and then it says next time on Game of Thrones. And, yeah. You know. I, I'm just like, no, don't end it here. So I'm okay with it. I have no problem with it. I, I guess because I already feel in my heart that Game of Thrones is coming to an end. So I am mentally and, and emotionally preparing myself. So if they go this route, I'm fine with it. Corey Thone, should they cram as much story into every hour and ten minutes they can? No. No? no I think they should. They should they, they've kind of got... Storylines compressed. If you want to have episodes where we don't see a certain character or something, I'm fine with that. Uh, I, I'd rather them figure out how to get everybody together and tell that story. You know, I, I do think it's a, a dangerous road to walk down when you start increasing every, if you start increasing every episode in length. Mm. Uh, there, there are shows that used to be good <laughs> that. When they got started getting a lot of storylines going, a lot of stuff happening, they, their, their networks let them increase episode length, and all it did was make the show worse <laughs> because wow. every episode was way too long, and they instead of being able to take that time to wrap everything up, they tried to fit more things in. Uh, what comes to mind is like Sons of Anarchy, for example. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say, I thought they did that on Sons of Anarchy. Absolutely. Yeah, I got, I got to the point where every every – Wednesday night or whatever night that show aired, there was a, a movie you had to watch, and it was a, of a train wreck, and you could just see the train wreck coming for two seasons. And it was like watching quicksand, finale, a, a train wreck in quicksand. It was terrible. Finally, the finale happened, and we saw the train wreck. It was like, God, this show used to be so good. But, <laughs> but I'm just, I'd rather Game of Thrones do what they do, and they've done it as well or better than just about anyone that makes TV uh, if – if they're not comfortable pulling episodes a longer distance, don't do it. Stay with the hour, an hour and five minutes, and just tell your story. You know, don't. I know that fans like myself in particular, I, I used to think, why don't I just make every episode an hour and a half? You know, but now it's like, you know, I don't know if I want that or not. Just, just as long as you can tell the story like you want it to be told. If you do that in an hour, go for it. Right, uh, Corey Smith. I know you're the kind of guy who would. Like me, shell out uh, ten, fifteen extra dollars for the collector's edition. Uh, what do you feel about this extend a possible yeah. extended episodes? What are you feeling like? What are you feeling? I mean, I, I think I'm kind of right in the middle. I, I definitely see Thone's point. Um, 
you know, if if we expand the episodes and then we just get, you know, an extra 10 minutes of everybody walking from location to location, <laughs> you know. All of, a sudden, having, all of a sudden, Littlefinger's teleportation machine doesn't work and it's just... Right, slow. exactly. If, if we start getting an extra 10 minutes of, of that kind of stuff that's, that's a little more filler and not necessarily, you know, kind of meat, um, then I'm definitely not in favor of it. But my feeling is they've got a lot of ground to cover and a lot of things to wrap up. And so I feel like they could benefit from the extra time. And I also feel like at this point, Benioff and Weiss have kind of earned enough of my trust or, or faith or however you want to put it, that it, how, whichever direction they go, that it's kind of, kind of the best for the show. Like, I feel like if they do go long, it'll be good. But if they if they keep it short, then they kind of, in the back of their heads, knew anything they added was just going to be filler. So that being said, I think the episodes are going to be longer. I think that we're looking, I, th- I think season seven, I th- I, I'd be surprised if any of the episodes are shorter than 60 minutes. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't think we'll get a full 90-minute episode, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a 75- or an 80-minute episode uh, stuck in there somewhere. Um, and it'd be really fun, I kind of, kind of like what Isis said, if they kept that part a secret um, until the episode aired, which logistically I know is... They can't possible. do that. The the, right. the closest thing they can do to that is that we find out the week of. Yeah, right. which, which would be right. basically the same thing. Yeah, right. you keep it secret until the week yeah. of. Yeah, and I, I get that's not really necessarily possible, but it'd be fun, you know, one night. I mean, kind of like what Isis was saying, if, you know, we think the credits are about to roll and we get an extra five or ten minutes of some, you know, climac- you know climactic battle scene or something. So, like I you said, I, have, I think, go ahead. Oh, well, no, I was just going to say, you know, the, the, this sounds great for Game of Thrones, but think about how that's going to affect the entire television industry if they do that. I don't think they give a Since shit. Since when has HBO cared about that, yeah, though? That's my I, I don't no, think no, HBO but I, do, do you really want to see The Good Wife go 75 minutes? <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Do I really want to see The Good Wife? You can yeah. Have <laughs> You see where I'm saying, though? Like, because no. CBS considers The Good Wife to be, like, one of their anchors. Like, so much so that it's the, CBS, it's the other CBS access show along with Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, but I, I I think Benioff and Weiss, I think right now at, at HBO, if they said, you know, hey, we want nine-foot golden statues put outside our house, and we want them to shoot fucking chocolate syrup from their eyes, I, I think HBO will do whatever they want at this point. I don't think HBO, and as far as the rest of the industry, I really don't think HBO gives a shit. I think they, they pride themselves on doing on you know going first in whatever direction it may be and not worrying about what the other you know what everybody else is doing they pride themselves on doing stuff that's different from like Andy said else. they're pioneers they they want to do right. things first yeah um, I, I agree so I think they do it if they want to yeah um and one final topic uh, I will bring this up uh, speaking of ninety minute episodes in Westworld Westworld also did the after credit scene. In the finale with with Armistice, uh, come on, Game of Thrones, give me one episode where the credits roll and just tease us with something. I don't care if it's a lady that's hooded in a misty forest and somebody's hanging from a tree. God damn it, I want Lady Stoneheart. I'm kidding. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I'm never going to give up on that. I'll thing. never give it up for life. Anyway, let's move on to our final topic of the night. Uh, George R. R. Martin did not give his uh, 2017 
year, uh, I guess, preview. Uh, he didn't do it. He kind of did a year-end review of how shitty it was that Trump won and his team lost in football, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't give us a wins of winter update really until a fan asked him a question. And he said, oh, yeah, well, here it is. I'm still working on it. And I would like to say that it would be finished this year, but I thought that last year too. So basically, George R. R. Martin gave us nothing. And Annie and Corey Smith, I know you guys both wrote about that. And this is a book topic, but I want to go to our show meets first, Corey, Corey Thone and Isis. Um, as a book reader myself, I've kind of given up on the final two books of A Song of Ice and Fire. I almost would rather see – and this is heresy – among book readers, but I, I kind of just... You are not going to say what I think you're going to say. I just don't care anymore. David Benioff and Dan Weiss can finish a story for me because I don't ever think I'll see A Dream of Spring. I don't ever think okay. George R. R. Martin will see will will live, and that's that's very morbid to say. I hate saying that, but even even if he does live a long, a long time, I don't ever think he'll finish A Dream of Spring. I think he'll just troll us all until we're all dead, and he outlives us all as a, as a host on Westworld. Anyway, um... Uh, Isis, do you think the the series will be wrapped up on the show uh, be- in a much better, cleaner way than it would be in the books? And we already know we're going to get the show wrapped up before the books. We already know that. That's a given. Uh, but as a Shonley who hasn't read the books, um, but is a fan of the Outlander books, and so you kind of see that in reverse in another fandom. Uh, how do you? What do you, What's your thoughts on that? Okay, so and and I've read what you guys have written about this um, extensively because I, I find it very interesting about you know looking at different authors and and what happens and so um, and not even to use Outlander as an example I would even go and use um, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo uh, the Millennium series oh. by um, authors Stig Stig Larson right and anyway um, he died before he was able to complete. The Millennium series. Cough, and cough, someone, wheel of time. Cough, cough, wheel of time. <laughs> and so he, uh, so someone else took up the mantle and and started writing the series back up again. And it really didn't, you know, there was a lot of buzz about it, but it just really didn't, you know, didn't really catch on and stuff. Uh, the way I feel about Game of Thrones is that if, you know, the guys that are writing the show, they're writing it for entertainment for the TV show. They're not particularly writing it for people who have – I mean, they're writing it for people who have read the books, but they are—they don't feel the constraint that they have to go ahead and make sure they go ahead and check off all these boxes, you know, for the show. Uh, because they don't go into the detail that R.R. R. Martin goes into, like you guys have basically said that, you know, talking about dinner in, you know, very detailed, you know, uh, Peace settings. porridge and capons and yeah. uh, trenchers filled um, with duck so, sauce. So I I have to say that, you know, even though it's taking him a long time to write this story, I think that, and if you get it or not, you know, hopefully he doesn't pass on before he finishes the book. um, I think you guys will be happy with what you will get and will be appreciative when you finally get it. And I don't think that he necessarily owes you to have the book done by when you think it should be done. It's when they feel satisfied with, with the book. I think when authors start trying to pipe out books as quickly as the, the fans want them. I'm getting triggered. I'm just talking about book, uh, book readers. I'm being triggered um, right now. I, I'm sorry? I'm, I'm being triggered right now. 
of, uh, that I think that the, the, the writing suffers. And I, and I also see a lot of where people, um, even Game of Thrones and Outlander fans who say, oh, well, she put out a book about this and it wasn't even Outlander and what's going on? Why is she taking so long or why is he taking so long or whatever? You know, I really feel that authors who go and write other things uh, to get out of that world that they've created and, and create something else, uh, it, it makes them a better writer when they come back to their series because they miss it and they say, oh, okay, well, now I have fresh ideas and things like that. So I really feel like, yes, the show is going to end way before the book will probably be out, um, and that's okay, and you guys will be okay because you know what? At the end of the day, you guys will buy the fucking book when it comes out. Yeah, well, absolutely, but let me put it to you this way. George R. R. Martin, yeah, he's not our bitch, and no, I don't think he owes his fans anything. Just quit announcing that you're you're hoping that it's going to be done or that you see it could be done this year, but you thought that last year. Don't give us any hope. Quit telling well, us you're working on the book because you've been saying that for so long now, and you wanted to have this done before last season so we didn't get spoilers. Because let me tell you right now, and, and I, I'm sure Corey Smith and Annie, you can chime in anytime you want to. And Thone, I know you read online and the online stuff, and you kind of know what's going on in the book, so please feel free to chime in. But I'm going to tell you right now, with George R. R. Martin, um, because he didn't put out The Winds of Winter before last season, we got spoiled in season five with, with Stannis' death. Uh, we got spoiled with uh, Shireen's death. We got spoiled with um, John's Hodor. Hodor, the hold the door thing, the White yeah. Walkers, the Night's King. Um, we got, you know, John Snow. We all kind of thought he was coming back anyway. But come on, man, you don't really know with with George R. R. Martin. He could kill anybody off at any time. And then, of course, you know, his parentage that was all revealed in season six, and it's like. God damn! And the Tyrells being wiped out in the, in the Sept of Baylor. That doesn't like. I don't know if that's going to happen any way like that in the books, but hey, it happened on the show, and they're all dead, and the show's a show, the book's the books, but characters are going to die. Well, and, yeah, if I could jump in, I'll just say, let me, as I raise there, I feel like you could rant on this for an I hour. I could, so and I'm, me, I'm going Let me off. jump in. Let me jump in. Uh, what it shows to me is, is, for example, when a character like Lady Stoneheart, who when I first read about after the Red Wedding, uh, I was like, oh, fuck, it's going to be dope. And then <laughs> she, never, she never showed up. It doesn't mean that she's not going to be cool in the book. Still, it just means that she's not going to be very important to the to the end of the story. Right. You can you can kind of deduce that, right? That it's not going to be super important. Same with the Tyrells. When everything is settled, they might not die in an explosion like that, but they're not going to be around at the end of the book. So it kind of spoils that for you. Uh-huh. But I, I don't think that necessarily I, I'm in between here that an artist owes his art to his fans but i do think it is kind of disrespectful (laughs) to pretend that those fans don't i I don't want to say deserve but i I don't know the the people who have been following that book series for all this time and are fans of the show you know when they see george R. r martin on talk show after talk show when they see all the stuff that he puts out that isn't Winds of Winter, whatever the next book is called, when all that stuff is is just kind of thrown in their face, and then the season comes and there's no book, I think they're totally justified in being upset because I think he's had plenty of time to write a novel, not to be an, an asshole. I've never wrote a novel. I barely wrote a thesis, but it's <laughs> at the same time, it's not my job. I don't know. I just I feel like I, I'm, I understand where Razor and other fans come from 
when they say you owe us a book, like you owe us this, and it's like they kind of. I mean, he would have been a successful author without Game of Thrones, but but at the same time, you know, I don't know. I just feel like there's there's a little bit of legitimacy to them saying, "How do you not have this done yet?" Withholding for a good example to me when someone, I think it was ISIS, said that you know they want to perfect their work before they release it. I think that they run a danger of, of Chinese democracying themselves and uh, <laughs> holding on to something for too long because of the expectations of it. And I don't know why I'm talking with an upward inflection at the end of both those sentences. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But it, it, but seriously, I think that there there probably is a lot of pressure on Martin, and he might be feeling it, trying to get all these characters on the I don't know on the right path because we saw it in this in this last season with shit like like the the Terminator chase in Bravos like that was <laughs> that was how, how, does was, that, how does he do that and make it not he, exactly how does he get to that point in the book and I understand that it's much harder. Because in the show, they were like, and then she gets stabbed in the stomach. Is she dead? Uh, no, turns out not. And that's it. So great. <laughs> and then uh, that's, that's kind of it. So I understand you, it's complicated. The, but, yeah, the, the classic George R. R. Martin end, end of chapters is you always you are always left wondering if a character's dead. Like the first time you read that Tyrion fell into the water, Corey Smith and Annie, and he drowned – you thought he drowned and was dead, right? You thought that maybe Tyrion possibly could have been dead. I mean, you, you used your deduction and you thought there's no way Tyrion's going to die here. But he left it hanging, so he can't do that with Arya now. He can't say, and she was stabbed in the gut. The last thing she saw was darkness taking her to the to the bitter end or whatever. You can't say that because we'll all laugh at him and be like, hey, Arya lives. She's the Terminator. So, uh, you know, or she's Wolverine. And the Terminator chases her anyway. I see what you're saying, and Corey Thone, you hit it perfectly. I think you're right. Um, I, I, I don't think he owes us anything, but I do think there could be more respect towards his fans, towards, um, I, I don't know, towards especially the book readers who have just been dying for more information for Winds of Winter for a book. And Corey Smith, I know you got something to say about it, so please hit me with it. Yeah, I have three points to make here. So first of all, I, I don't think that you have to – Divorce the fact that you're upset that the books are out. Like, I think you can separate the fact that you're you're angry the books are not out yet and not be expecting or, you know, feeling like Martin owes it to you. I think you can be upset because you want the book to come out. It's something you love. It's something you enjoy. For some people, it's, you know, you've been reading the series since its inception 20 years ago. So I think that you can still be upset, but not feel like, oh, this guy, you know, chain him to a desk until he finishes it. Right. The other thing that I think that is very frustrating for fans is that Martin just absolutely blows his own estimations out of the water. Because remember, before season six started last spring, mm-hmm. he said, oh, man, I really thought all, all of fall of 2015 – the season came out in spring of 2016, but in the fall of 2015 on his blog, he was saying, even in the fall, I thought I could really get it out in time for, for season six, yep. and, you know, which was six months later. I, I still thought I had six months, I could get it out, it would be no problem, blah, 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 blah. And here we are a year and a half after that, and he still hasn't gotten the book out. Which so th- makes me think, by the way, that you guys are going to get uh, bamboozled. And he's going to he is going to drop book six and seven 
within like eight months of each other that he's doing them both at the same time and going to fi- or at least got the first one done and decided I better go ahead and finish the second one before I release it and he's going to return to the king or whatever. And, and there are a lot like, of theories out there that say he's doing that. Yeah, I agree. a lot of people think he's doing that. I've heard that theory, but I I got to call complete bullshit on it because of it, it, there's no oh. just no way his riding style is so freaking slow. There's no way he's jumped and already completed the second book or getting getting them even within a year of each other. Man. Like I wouldn't even buy that within two years of each other. He just okay. All right. Now this is this is where I'm gonna cut in. All right. Hold on, I got one more. I got one more point. I'm gonna the let you finish. Other, yeah, yeah. The only other thing that I think is that. Now that season six aired and and kind of let all of his secrets out of the bag like we were talking about, I wonder if there's not a ton of revisions going on for Winds of Winter. I feel like he saw season six, saw people's reactions to things, and now he either he wants to do it better or he wants to do it differently. And I think that he might be going back and rewriting stuff that he might have already finished. So, yeah, because he doesn't he doesn't want his novels to be seen as the right. as, as the novelization of the TV show, right? Which so I've I heard think, many people refer yeah. to. The Winds of Winter is going to be, and every time I'm like, no, it's really not. But okay, so when we get here is my thing. I need everyone right now to go to culturist.com and look at a post called George R. R. Martin thinks the Winds of Winter will be released this year, and I need you to scroll down about halfway because. There I have a screen grab from the Washington Post back in 2014. At that time, just as uh, season four had ended, they sat down and they started to graph out the math of how long it took George R. R. Martin to write each of his books. Uh And when they did that math, they discovered that actually he writes at the exact same pace as the Harry Potter books. It's just that the Harry Potter books are so much shorter that it just didn't take J.K. Rowling nearly as long. But he actually, considering the size of each of his novels, is actually on pace tracking with J.K. Rowling. And they then plotted, because, you know, they head up to uh, A Dance with Dragons, they then plotted how long it would take from when A Dance of Dragons came out to when The Winds of Winter would come out to when A Dream of Spring would come out going along that same trajectory assuming it took him that long to write each of those novels as it had to write the previous five. Mm -hmm. And that graph shows that The Winds of Winter should be done about mid-2017. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I see that. Yep. Since 2014, technically... Going by the pace that the man writes, there is no way he was going to be done before this year. Okay. It's not that we we have literally been demanding that he write faster than he is capable. (laughs) He's right on. If he gets the book out this year, he's right on time. But see, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think people are so angry is because he's been underestimating it. He keeps making promises. He's making promises saying I can get it out in 2016. No, you can't, dude. Right. We know how long it takes you to write these things, and it's not coming out till 2017. And I think we should all have been pushing back. Every time we saw him do that, I think we, as Game of Thrones fans, should have been like, dude, have you seen the chart? We'll be there in 2017 when you're ready. And I think if he gets it out this year in 2017, I think we should all make a pact. Every single last fan, everyone who's listening, everyone who reads this, everyone 
in the world should make a pact. Not till 2022. We don't bother him. It's not going to be out till 2023. The chart says so. So just leave him the hell alone. All right. Leave George R.R. Martin alone. Leave him alone. Leave him alone until 2022. Okay? If he gets the wins of winter out this year, we all just leave him alone until 2022. Adrena Spring will be here in 2023, around the time that Marvel announces Phase 5. Deal with it. Show him the charts. Show him the charts. (laughs) Yep, I have a chart. All right. Listen. Here's my other morbid question. Okay. No, don't ask it. I think it's a legit question. I don't think no, it's a it is bullshit not, no, question. No, no, it is not. No, no, no. I we think reject it's legit. It. What is I re- it? I, I question. Reject it. I, reject, I reject speculating on George R. R. Martin's death as Ruth. Uh, Whoa, is that what we're, I thought we were talking. I thought we were talking about Marvel Fifth Phase. <laughs> where they're gonna... You thought we were talking about Black Panther. Yeah. Was Thanos and... Uh, Insert was Scarlett Johansson. Were they gonna Were they gonna hook up or what? No, I, I think it's a. Fa- I don't think it's very polite. No, I don't think it's, it's not polite. It goes, it goes like past. It goes, it. it goes past morbid to being almost. I don't know. I don't know what the good word is for it to bring up the fact that he looks like Santa Claus and is getting older. <laughs> He, he looks, looks like, like Santa, but the thing is, he looks like Santa Claus since a storm of swords came out in two thousand. Yeah, but the thing is, as, as someone as someone who is trying to lose weight now, like the longer that you look like that, the worse it gets. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we won't we won't speculate on we won't George R. Yeah. We won't we won't now, go there. Corey, but now Corey Corey Thone on this podcast, I think he probably has a solid six years left. <laughs> I mean, massive coronary. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Listen, I we should have cut it off right as soon as Annie finished her rant because that was epic. Uh, that's going to be it for our podcast tonight. Uh, please make sure you leave some comments and let us know what you think um, of what we talked about tonight. Do you think Winds of Winter will come out in 2017? If not, tell us when you think it might happen. Uh, do you think George R. R. Martin owes his fans anything? Let us know. Anyway, uh, that that's it for myself. For Annie, for Isis, for Corey Smith, and Corey Thone, this has been Take the Black, Valar Mogulis. who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety minded who watch everyone's backs Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer call clickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.